I am professional wrestler Chris Rex, and if you're hearing my voice, that means you're listening to the Bear of Texas podcast. Dallas Cowboys fans, are you ready? Are you ready to hear the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Are you ready to hear what I, the Bear of Texas, has to say regarding the Dallas Cowboys? Well then, grab a beer, have a seat, and buckle up. Because this ride will start out slow, but I guarantee you it will intensify by the second. And here we go. Welcome back to the Bear of Texas podcast. We are doing the Dallas Cowboys talk. This is the second episode of the Bear of Texas podcast, a podcast that goes back into even last year, and we went episode by episode and touched on how the Cowboys did. I'm Venomous Stare, the frequent guest of the show. Wasn't around for episode one, but I'm back for episode two this season. It was on the majority of episodes last year. This show, of course, can be found on most major podcasting apps, and, of course, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all included in that. So, the Bear Man of Texas, the host of the show, joins me. Alex, how's it going, fella? It is great, and, and Wiley, it, I can't tell you how excited I am to welcome you to the Cowboys Talk segment of the Bear of Texas podcast. It's been a long time since I've had the chance to sit down and talk Cowboys with you. We are not going to waste any more time. We are going to get right into it right now. Let's do it, and let's do it with the same brazen sense of honesty that we are known for. Oh, you're damn right. You folks, you know me damn well. I'm going to tell you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And the truth is, I was very disappointed in the outcome of Week 1, but let's not hit that panic button just yet. It's just one game. The Cowboys can do better. But now we are going to a quite a difficult Week 2, because we are playing... The Atlanta Falcons at home. And here's something really funny that I should mention. This is a fact. Mike McCarthy, the current head coach of the Cowboys, is undefeated at AT&T Stadium. So how interesting is that? Well, it doesn't really concern me too much, although it is interesting. Whenever I think of the Atlanta Falcons, I think of a team that has perpetually underachieved and has never really recovered from Tom Brady executing the greatest comeback in sports history upon them. And every year since then, they've been touted as a team that, you know, should be somewhere between average and pretty good. Talking like a, you know, like a 7-10 to 10 win team on paper, Julio Jones, Matt Ryan. And they just underachieve every year. And we see Fournette is really the cornerstone of their offense as far as new acquisitions go this year. In the past, they had been almost a strictly passing team. Michael Turner in the past, as well as a Devote Freeman. And they were a pass-first team, but they still sort of do appear to be a pass-first team. And it's not Fournette. I might have misspoke. It's a Todd Gurley. Yes, yeah, yes, exactly. Yes, it's Todd Gurley. 
yes. Yeah, so that concludes my point. I'm not really that scared of the uh, Atlanta team. When I look at the Atlanta team on paper, I just sort of see a team that is around average. And as we talked about many times on the show last year, whenever you shadow box the future games in an NFL schedule, we view the Cowboys as a team that is supposed to be a team that's going to the playoffs. So a team like Atlanta, you got to view as this is definitely going to be a win or at least a competitive game. It's definitely going to be a competitive game, Wiley. The Cowboys have to get it together because I'm going to go over a couple of things right now. After week one concluded, Atlanta is currently the second in um, a total offense, averaging 506 yards of total offense. And Matt Ryan was actually the top quarterback with the most passing yards. So the first thing I need to say out of the blue is that Cowboys defensive line, you better get your act together because if you can't put pressure, if you can't sack Matt Ryan... Matt Ryan is going to torch the hell out of you. Because what I am looking at is that in Game 1, three receivers of, of the Falcons had over 100 yards. Two of them had at least 130. And those two is Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones, averaging nearly 15 yards per catch. Yeah, and whenever you look at the Cowboys' defense, the two things that have really been the crux of the issue for like five years, it feels like, is a weak secondary, which is less bad this year than it was, say, four years ago when the uh, Jared Sensaball era. Thank God that's over. But Oh, that's been over for eight, eight years, Wiley. Well, it's just sort of a, uh, you know, a throw-in. Like, whenever I think... Like yesterday. Well, yeah, if you just look at the history of the Dallas Cowboys and their defense, what two things have been consistent? The pass rush has been important, but has had big names and kind of underachieved. And a lot of times that's because of suspensions and injury. Players like Demarcus Lawrence come to mind. And usually the Cowboys have pretty good linebackers. Sean Lee, Demarcus Ware, Van Der Esch. But the Cowboys often have a pretty weak secondary. And the secondary was not very good. In last week's game, I know they had an interception, but the Cowboys get so few interceptions. When they finally do get one, the fans are like, wow, can you say the defense was bad? They got an interception. Well, it's like, guys, other defenses get interceptions on a semi-weekly basis, okay? It's, when a Cowboy gets an interception, it's like a record. It's like, oh, we haven't had an interception in 14 weeks. That's crazy when you think about it because teams focus more on passing than they did running as opposed to 30 years ago and most importantly all the time in a football game weird fluky stuff will happen in terms of uh, linemen will tip it it'll go up in the air it'll there'll be a jump ball will be a ball at the end of the game that's a hell mary where it's basically like a, a, a literal like 80 20 of the defender catching it and still the cowboys couldn't manage it even a lucky just joke interception so it says a lot about the secondary. Of course, turnovers are very important in football. This is something that Bill Parcells talked about endlessly. And the Cowboys' inability to get turnovers frequently makes it harder for their always underachieving offense to really drive the point home. So that's what I really am going to look for here this week, Alex, is for not for the defense to necessarily play well, quote-unquote, but I want to see them get turnovers. What do you think are the keys of the game? Well, I have to agree with you, but before I get to, into that, that interception that the Cowboys had, it should have been negated because on that play, the Cowboys' defense did, in fact, get away with a hit on Jared Goff. 
And I said that as I went over week one with Darnell the Playmaker. Now, a lot of Cowboy fans are probably very upset with me for saying it, but look, y'all, I get it. It's painful, but it's the truth. We did get away with that penalty, and when we get a turnover in a way that we didn't really earn it, that breaks the reputation, y'all. That hurts the pride. So we have to get turnovers, but we have to do it the right way. We have to do it the way that football is. Defensive wins championships. Do it correctly. Cover well. Force the quarterback to make a mistake. Just don't commit any fouls. Just don't do anything stupid. But yes, Wiley, they have to force turnovers. I think it's going to take at least three to beat the Falcons. Three turnovers, and I think they're going to have to sack Matt Ryan at least five times. Because it's like I said at the beginning, if that defensive line does not wake up, Matt Ryan's going to have all day in the in the back, and he's going to torch the hell out of that defense. I mean, he's done it before. We've, well, seen, I, we, we've seen what he can do when he's well protected. Oh, yeah. Ryan is definitely known as a guy who, whenever he has protection, he has the weapons to really run up some yards. So and He has a hell of an arm, too. We can't deny that. That's true, and I just think it's laughable that some people still call him Matty Ice. How are you going to call a guy Ice who blew a 25-point lead in the Super Bowl? I mean, give me a break. You, you, for, you forfeit that nickname whenever you choke that badly. Let's call him Matt Ryan. Yeah, six and eight Matt, there's a nickname. Or six and ten Matt, rather. There's a nickname for him. And journalists can't do math, even when it's not even math, LOL. But anyway. Well, statistics whenever, are not really concerned math, is it? Well, that's what I'm saying. But the math in that case was like, how many, uh, what, 16 minus 10? That's how bad journalists are at math. But. <laughs> Yeah, we but hate I, that, math. <laughs> yeah, ne- never ever do math live or even on a pre-recorded show. But I digress. At least I caught my own error like with the uh, Leonard Fournette thing. <laughs> anyway. I mean, nobody's going to be perfect, but it's a good thing that we catch your errors and Well, it's a humans. good thing that it's a good thing that I catch them myself and the people aren't at home going like does this guy even watch football Leonard Fournette. Hello. <laughs> but but Alex, you got to really talk about CD Lamb going into this game. Because for years, the Cowboys receivers have been pretty weak. I feel like since Terrell Owens, there has been a real gap. And you could say, yes, Des Bryant. But to me, aside from a few seasons, Des Bryant really underachieved in a lot of years. Specifically with Dak. Uh, Des and Romo stylistically fit together very well. They were both sort of fly-by-the-seat-of-your-pants, aggressive, ad-libbing type players. Dak is much more formulaic. If the receiver doesn't run a perfect route, seemingly he can't be accurate at all. But uh, if you just look at the Cowboys receiving history, there was a huge gap after Dez left, and Dez never really stylistically matched well with Dak. And after that, the Cowboys had that very poor year and had that poor start, and everyone was saying it's because they don't have weapons, and the Amari Cooper trade happened, which was excellent. And I'm very glad the Cowboys have Amari Cooper. But C.D. Lamb is sort of the answer the Cowboy fans have been waiting for. And Michael Gallup is a lesser form of that. I feel like the average Cowboy fan is much more familiar with C.D. Lamb, who's been tearing it up at Oklahoma for quite a while in the context of a college football career. This was a guy who was very prevalent in the, the DFW area where most of your hardcore Cowboys fans are from. I sort of think about the Windstar poker room and that real nice mishmash of the DFW fan and the Oki fan and how they sort of are both exposed to high-level Oklahoma football. 
So the point that I'm making with all this is C.D. Lamb is an exceptionally hyped-up first pick, and I think he's very important to the Cowboys' offense success, especially in the future. So obviously he had sort of a gaffe last week. Are you sort of low on C.D., or do you think that was a rookie mistake or move past? A lot of Cowboys fans are really interested in this guy and want to know what the Bear Man thinks. Well, I did express some thought when I talked to the playmaker, and he corrected me. In his view, CeeDee Lamb didn't exactly make a mistake. It's just that, I mean, I'm not going to go over what he, what he did, but I would say his debut well, was respectful. Hold, hold on. I'll explain it. It's very brief. The playmaker essentially said that the route that CD ran was like a quick slant route, and that even though they didn't get the first down, it wasn't his fault because the route wasn't running correctly, and if you're going to blame someone, it was a, sort of a bad play call. But you don't necessarily have to focus on the gaff so much as this guy is a really bright star in the Cowboys' future for my eyes. And Even though he made that mistake, you know what this reminds me of is the game we watched together, the debut Giants game, where a sort of similar error occurred at the end. Mm-hmm, with Terrence Williams. But I explained that, and a lot of people don't get this, Wiley. When you move from college football and you enter the world of professional football, you're entering an entire new world because some people are saying CeeDee Lamb has had all that success that he should dominate right out of the blue. No, 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 no. CeeDee has a lot to learn because when you enter a new world of football, I mean, you're in the big, you're in the big leagues now. I mean, the, the, there's not going to be all those small, weak opponents like when, when Oklahoma, if they play like, like, a, divi- like a small Division One or Division Two team, you're not in that kind of world anymore. And as great as CeeDee Lamb is, I mean, I'm absolutely impressed. I mean, if, if you and I had been watching the draft, Wiley, and we had taken CeeDee Lamb, I would have asked you, you need, you need to punch me in the face because I'm dreaming. Because when we drafted CeeDee Lamb, I was happy. I was like, dude, this is probably more exciting than the Dez Bryant trade. I mean, and I mean, absolutely no disrespect to Dez, but I had not been excited for his first-round pick in quite some time. Okay, well, maybe, okay, maybe that's not right to say. Maybe this this had been the most excited I've been for a draft pick in a long time is right, but but CD is debut now. I would say it's respectable. It, it could have been better, but his first catch, his first career catch, which I which I believe was for about thirty three to thirty five yards. Hey, that was pretty damn cool. Yeah, that was an enjoyable part of the game. But, but if we go <clears throat> go ahead, you can make your point. But I think that you know. I think it's the normal. It was normal that he his debut game was not explosive, because it's not realistic to say that out of a blue, this dude who's arguably the top the top wide receiver in the draft should immediately dominate out of the blue. Because it's like I said, he has to learn. Obviously, you know I'm sure he's rusty because you know there's a people say he can't be rusty because because they practice. I'm like okay, well, when you're practicing, it's not like it's not nothing like being in a game. I mean, it's a total different atmosphere. You're in a total different frame of mind. It's it's like another thing. You're in, you're in a, you're in a different world. But but I think CD started off you know right. I mean, he made mistakes, but you know that's part of the deal. That's part of the learning process. And honestly, and it's like I said, even the veterans make mistakes. I mean, who doesn't make mistakes in the league? I mean, Tom Brady still makes mistakes. He's always always has. But I am super confident in CD that I think that in this game against Atlanta, he's actually going to do a little bit better. And he's only going to get better, if you ask me. Because I, I have this feeling, and I liked how you mentioned how Prescott and, and uh, Des Bryant could not 
connect well. It's because some quarterbacks and some wide receivers, that that connection they try to have, it just will never be found because it's just not meant to be. Because because with Dez, that connection was with Tony and and Dak Prescott and Tony are not the same kind of quarterback. I mean, some people don't know what I mean, but when you know football like you and me, you can tell that quarterbacks are all different. And I'm not talking about he can run more or he passes more. It's there's certain types of passing, but I don't want to get too deep into that. But to make the point clear is CD got off on the on a certain start, which is respectable. And since he's going to continue learning because he's got a great football mentality and a great passion for the game, he's going to be okay. So going into this Falcons game, can we get a little bit of prediction action going? Well, I'm not ready to make a final score prediction yet because there's some things to talk about, but I think the but if since you want to hear a prediction, Wiley, I think the offense is going to explode. Wow, I but love that. Now, here, now, here's the things I need to make clear right out of the blue. The running game, Zeke Elliott, they need to feed Zeke the ball, but not just Zeke, like, Tony Pollard needs to get some reps too because if the running game is going smoothly and going great, if that defense is worn out and exhausted, that secondary is not going to be able to cover that triple threat wide receiver duo that we have. The duo of Michael Gallup, CeeDee Lamb, and Amari Cooper. You know what I mean? Because I there's a philosophy, and I've seen it before. If a dominant run game wears out a defense, the whole entire defense does not know where to look, they get confused, and the offense can take successful advantage of it. So the Cowboys got to run that ball effectively, but, and if that doesn't happen, there's not going to be any six. I mean, the, overall the point is, the offense needs to do their job, but they have to start out by running the ball effectively, and if it works, just keep doing it. I think that's dead on, Alex. I think a big part of the Cowboys' success has always been facilitating the run. I think Dak Prescott as a quarterback is great off of play action. He's a guy that does well when teams stack the box and he can get one-on-one matchups deep. He doesn't have to dissect defenses. And the Cowboys gave Zeke such a huge contract, the biggest running back contract in history at the time. And you got to let him eat. The offense really does revolve around him and grinding them down as though he was Emmett Smith because in the 90s, the Cowboys were stylistically similar. If you go back and look at Cowboy Troy's numbers, they weren't exactly airing it out. And I think Jerry desperately wants to go back to that. That was the last time the Cowboys, they were, were good. And believe me, I'm not saying that Dak is Troy Oakley, and I'm just saying that stylistically, what he thinks in his head, Jerry, I think he sort of, even if it's subconscious, is somewhat trying to emulate the 90s teams. You know, I, I like how you say that Dak is not Troy Aikman. Look, some people are, are, who are comparing him to Troy Aikman, I'm not going to call him out, but really at the end of the day, a comparison is merely just an opinion. And quite frankly, comparing some, a, a player to somebody in the past, you know, really, I mean, I don't see how it how it helps them in their career, but, but you know, the reason why I say they have to run the, the ball effectively to wear out that defense is because in 2014, that's what they did. The philosophy is, is keep the defense off the field. If the Cowboys defense is off the field, the longer they're off the field, the better, because the Cowboys keep longer ball possession, they can run out the clock, they can just really do whatever they want, they, they can bully that defense, and there's nothing that defense can do about it. There's nothing that team 
can do about it. It's it's all about being in control, staying in control, and taking that win by any means necessary. Well, to me, the keys to the game are going to be turnovers and establishing the run. I also think that the deep pass threat is going to be a big part of the Cowboys either being good or bad this year. Historically, the criticism of Dak has been his inability to throw the deep ball. This was something Tony Romo was great at, was airing it out deep, especially to Dez and T.O. And for Dak, anything above 15 yards, I think he looks borderline shaky. Compare Dak to some of his peers. And whenever I've mentioned these names, you don't want to sit there and say to yourself, well, those are Hall of Famers, of course he's worse. Remember, Dak wants $40 million a year. Dak wants to be paid like the best quarterback in the world. So when I compare him to the actual best quarterbacks in the world, don't say I'm making a false comparison because Dak wants to get paid like he's better than all these guys. Who do you think, and this is, these are, uh, don't answer these questions. I'm just going to list names. Who's better at throwing the deep ball, Tom Brady or Dak? Drew Brees or Dak? <laughs> Ryan Tannehill or Dak? There's a name that'll wrestle some jimmies. Yeah, Ryan Tannehill's way better at it truthfully, before and after the blown-out knee. Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, you know, you could even go with the young name, like the young kid uh, who's the Cardinals quarterback, Kyler Murray. He can air it out deep with uh, more precision than Dak. Dak is not a good deep ball thrower. So to me, that's a big part of why the Cowboys offense is so great on paper, but is actually perpetually underperforming on the field is the inability to throw the deep ball. So I'd like to see Mike McCarthy talk to Kellen Moore and say, look, we got to stretch the field a little bit. We're going to ground the pound with Zeke. We got safeties cheating up. We have legitimately like one of the best one, two, three punches receivers wise. And we don't have a very good tight end for the mid range game. So let's give Dak some long options. And that's what I think the keys of the game are, Alex. Well said. And I want to take a little bit of time since you brought since you brought up Mike McCarthy and Kellen Moore. I want to talk about the coaching. Yes, McCarthy had his fair share of mistakes as well in this game. The Cowboys lost as a team. We're not going to point the blame just on one person on one side. I mean, they lost as a team. And Mike McCarthy, during his glory days in Green Bay, I mean, of course, every now and then he made mistakes. I mean, this is his first game, you know, at the new job. Of course, he's going to make mistakes. And in Kellen Moore's case, while he did call the plays last year, I'm I don't know if I'm right or wrong. I need you to tell me if I'm right or wrong. I mean, a lot of people like you and me are saying, "Well, this is probably the first year that he's this guy's not going to be held back by a certain you know individual who's not no longer here in Dallas. He's actually up in New York City." But in Kellen Moore's case, I mean, if that is the case, if he's really his first year, you know, doing what he doing the coaching his own way, and he's learning from Mike McCarthy, I get it. So, because a lot of people, Cowboy fans are already calling the, that Kellen Moore should be fired, he shouldn't call the plays, yada, yada, yada. I mean, that's the, that's the problem with Cowboys Nationwide. There's a lot of fans that after one game, I mean, to say that they hit the panic, they go to the panic mode, that's a freaking interesting. I mean, they go to a mode where they, you know, they rip their hair out. I mean, they go absolutely crazy. Look, Kellen Moore's a young guy, and he's learning from a great coach like Mike McCarthy who called the plays in Green Bay. That's something great for Kellen Moore. And obviously after the first game, he made mistakes. But you know what the best part is, Wiley? Or the most interesting part, I should say? What's that, Alec? Kellen is going to learn from the mistakes and get better. That's how you build yourself as a coach. You make mistakes, you learn from them, you do better. 
So to say that Kellen Moore should be stripped of those duties immediately, come on now. Did you, I mean, just like C.D. Lamb and... Did you really think he's just going to dominate right out of the blue? Look, you can't dominate out of the blue. You have to build yourself. That's what Wiley and I have been doing since we graduated from the University of North Texas. We've built ourselves as independent writers and podcasters because that's the best way to do it. I mean, we've had to teach ourselves, which is a different scenario than Kellen Moore, than who's learning from someone huge. But the bottom line is you make mistakes, you learn from them, you get better. That's all part of the learning process in life. You can't make mis- you, you 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 can't reach your potential and reach your greatness without making mistakes. I mean, it's like Albert Einstein once said: anybody who's never made a mistake has never tried anything new. I don't know how it pertains to this, but the bottom line is, Kellen Moore is learning. I'll tell you how it pertains to this: the last Dallas Cowboys coach did the same crap for a decade. Screens on third and eighth that had no chance of working that everyone knew was coming. The inability to throw the deep ball, overly conservative play calling, etc. And I just want to say one thing. I don't have any problem with McCarthy going forward on fourth there instead of playing for the tie. Because for years, we had Jason Garrett playing insanely conservative and everyone complained and hated it. And you know what? We finally got a coach that wants to nut up and be aggressive. And yeah, it didn't work. You can't be results-based. If you're going to complain about Garrett being overly conservative for 10 years, you know what? It didn't work, but I'm glad he did, did it. And I feel like a lot of Cowboys fans should feel the same way. And I need to point out, like, part of the questionable play calling from this game is that several times they ran the ball on first down. Now, we've seen this before. I mean, it's nothing new, but what has my head scratching is that they the first maybe two or three times it didn't work. But the problem is they kept doing it. But that's what I'm talking about. If Kellum, you know, that's a mistake Kellum Moore made, and I'm sure he's going to learn from it and not do it again. But, but like I said, exactly like Mike McCarthy. Well, the truth is, Mike McCarthy trying to go for the win. I mean, that's gutsy, and, and we need a coach with guts. I mean, the Cowboys they need a coach that has balls, and Mike McCarthy is that kind of guy. But there was a risk, like Greg Zerline, arguably one of the greatest kickers I've seen. He had missed a, I believe it was a kick from maybe around the 40 to 50 yard range. I'm not sure. While he did make a, a field goal in that game that was from closer range, it was still a bit of a risk. I mean, I don't know, maybe I should say McCarthy didn't want to risk the goal being missed or maybe he just wanted to go for the win. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what was going through Mike McCarthy's mind, but he made a decision. It just obviously did not work out. But that's part of being a coach, right? Not every decision you make is going to work, right? That's true. I mean, it's, it goes, sort of goes without saying, but I just feel like what's important is you really have to uh, be able to sort of remember what you were saying even a year ago and be able to contextualize stuff. And Cowboys fans were so tired of the big red, tepid play calling, and it was sort of universally hated. So you can't jump down McCarthy's throat because he lost being aggressive. Give me a break. <laughs> well, I mean... Mike McCarthy, you know, he's in a new system. I mean, he. why do you think he took a year off from football? I mean, I honestly believe he took a year off because he was looking at his football system and he, and he had to make some changes. I mean, football changes every year. I mean, football is not the way it was in 2004. I mean, or, you know, football changes probably, I would say, honestly, people say every year, but the whole schemes and everything, it changes more often than you think. But but as I, we wrap up the, the, the coaching... This is the this is gonna be really this is it's gonna ache my heart to talk about this, but we have to talk about the injuries, Wiley. 
Well, go ahead. Let's talk about them because they're uh, season-defining. Well, it's a shame. I mean, for Blake Jarwin, man, it is such a damn shame because I wrote an article with Primetime Sports Talk, and I want to give him a shout-out that I'm because I'm so happy working with them. Great writers I'm working with. Great editing. Anderson Picard, who recruited me. If you're listening to this, God bless your heart. It's an honor to work with you. I wrote an article saying that this is Blake Jarwin's big year because he's been working for this for a long time. S- since 2017, he has not. He's been so underutilized, and he's been underrated. I mean, underrated is an understatement. And finally, the time comes. All that hard work pays off. He's sitting. You know, he knows that he's not being used right, but he he's just sitting there because he has pride. He knows it's gonna come. He has all that potential, and he tears ACL on a non-contact play. I mean, my heart aches for the guy, dude. Yeah, to sit there for years and hold the clipboard, and then Witten comes back in a joke year to save face from the fact he was terrible at commentary. It's just gross. He can't even make it a couple quarters. I just really feel bad for the guy. This is a guy who doesn't ever really get into any issues off the field, and just a good person overall if you really just compare him to people in generally NFL especially so it's a damn shame that he's gone and then we really do have to talk about the more important injury even though losing your starting tight end is very important especially when you don't really have a decent backup but we lost what is essentially becoming the second coming of Sean Lee which of course is Leighton Van Der Esch and it, 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 it aches my heart too because well, Sean Lee was a hell of a play. I mean, when Sean Lee was healthy, he did play great. It's just the biggest problem for Lee is that he could not stay healthy. But now it seems, and speaking of Sean Lee, it was announced today that he's out for at least six weeks because I believe he underwent a sports he underwent a sports hernia surgery. But Lane Vanderesh is out six to eight weeks as he underwent surgery on a fractured collarbone. And yeah, I mean, for Wiley, I mean, Wiley is saying that we have you know Sean Lee two point look. It's no no disrespect intended, but it, what aches my heart so much is that Leighton Vanderess, you know, just like Blake Jarwin, a walk on at Boise State, you know, always, you know, and you know, Leighton Vanderess will play when he played high school football. He played high school football with eight players, but but that's the story. But I don't wanted to get too deep. But Leighton Vanderess, a guy who went to Boise State, drafted in the first round. I mean, this kid's got potential. I mean, this kid could do really do well, and he had a hell of a rookie year. But last year he's nagged by a neck injury and he's he's under he's forced to miss time. He comes back looking stronger than ever, healthier than ever, and then right out of the blue he fractures his collarbone. Ugh. Sometimes I get the feeling that once his rookie contract expires, Wiley, we're not he's not going to be in a Cowboys uniform. I mean, it, it hurts me to say this, but but judging from the situation, this just may be the most realistic thing as far as Van Der Esch goes. It's a shame, really. Yeah, whenever players incurred this many severe career-altering injuries this early on, it's something you have to consider, even though it's really troubling. I mean, it, it, it's it, it's really sad, but now as far as uh, we were, they were talking about a guy to, who they can sign in via free agency. A lot of people were mentioning the name Clay Matthews. Now, while Clay Matthews is he's thirty-four, you know. He's obviously he's probably past his prime. I mean, I don't know what he has left. I mean, he was played for the Rams last year, uh, suffered a broken jaw, and then was uh, out for the year. And he ended up being released uh, in the off season. 
bringing in Clay Matthews, provided Clay Matthews play, you know, is healthy, plays great, it would work out. And if they do, do if they do bring Clay Matthews, it's a, it would be good because Matthews and Mike McCarthy know, know each other very well. So it would bring up that kind of connection. But as far as replacing Van Der Esch goes, I don't know really who would work out. I mean, but our defense is definitely going to be banged up. I mean, it already is banged up, and it's probably going to be a cause for concern all year now. Yeah, and I, I mean, you can have a guy like a corner go down or a tight end, and that will affect your team. But whenever your best defensive player goes down in the literal rock of your defense, not only the best guy, but the middle linebacker, the signal caller, this guy was just such a big deal to the Cowboys and really a guy who would have made it to the Pro Bowl most likely had he stayed healthy. So incredible loss. Very, very brutal. It is, and my prayers are with Van Der Esch. Get well soon, buddy. And honestly, if the Cowboys have to de- deactivate him for the, the for the whole year, I would say you know what, do it. Even if he's cleared by, even if he's cleared, fully cleared, take that precaution because next year is likely to be. It's gonna be the final year. It's probably gonna be the final year of his rookie year. If he's gonna make that that year count, we need him to be stronger than he ever was in his life. Like we can't play around with Van Der Esch if that makes sense. I mean, Van Der Esch, I'm still a fan of his, and I and I want him to succeed. I I hope I'm wrong about him not staying with the Cowboys. I hope I am. It's just that realistically, right now that looks to be the case. Like he's not going to last very long if, if he can't stop you know getting hurt. But the injury is not his fault, obviously. But it's just that some players, it's just simply bad luck. That's very true. We've seen some of the best players in the history of sports be completely hamstrung by injuries, but. We should jump into the final moments of the podcast and go ahead and give our official prediction of the Atlanta game. Well, all right. Well, then you go first, Wiley. Okay. Well, I think that the Dallas Cowboys established the run early. I think that the Falcons definitely scored their fair share of points. But I think the Cowboys squeak a win 27-24. Are you are you gonna predict a uh, last second uh, field goal? No, I think that uh, I think Atlanta will score and then they'll have a last second drive that'll peter out. Okay, so in that case, you're predicting that the Cowboys' defense makes a crucial game-winning stop. Yeah, or Matt Ryan just throws up all over himself like he always does. Great prediction, because I'm gonna I'm gonna follow your lead on this one, Wiley. Effective running game. But even though even if that defense is exhausted, I think Dallas wins. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go 34-24. Okay, I like that one as well. But I'm gonna go deeper. I'm gonna predict some of the players. I think Ceedee Lamb has his first 100 100 yard receiving game, and I think and I say he scores his first touch, career touchdown. Love it. Okay. As far as uh, Amari, you know what? I think Amari also has 100 yards, and he, he scores two, and then we're all happy. And then, of course, Zeke Elliott being hungry that he is, maybe he'll pounce one. But, okay, but preferably, you, you know what? He, okay, I'm going to make a good one right here. Zeke Elliott has another touchdown on a screen pass because aside from running, we can't deny how amazing Zeke is with screen passes. Yeah, I mean, Zeke is good out of the backfield, but... Let him ground and pound, you know what I mean? 
I want him to touch it 20 times. <laughs> I mean, run the game. That's what we said. So, all right. You want to go ahead and close it out for us, buddy boy, or should I go ahead and take it, take it this time? You can take the closer since I took the opener. Go ahead. <laughs> well, it's so great tag, tag teaming with you. Ladies and gentlemen, I thank you all so much for tuning in. And let me go in and announce really early that our recap for this game, Wiley, a.k.a. the Ven Mystere, who I loved having on this one, is going to be back. And we will give our thoughts on week two. And hopefully, we will be happy campers. Wiley? That's right. I can't wait to see the outcome of that game. And honestly, I just can't wait till we tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Keep waking them up, brother. All right, everybody, you have a good night. You have a good night as well, Wiley. Go Cowboys. Go Cowboys! Easy.